Hello? Thumbs up if you can hear me. Oh, that's good. Fantastic. Okay, uh, just as a bit of a, a little icebreaker, I've got a little video activity for you to watch. So, um, enjoy. To test just how much attention the attention-stealing design of the new Skoda Fabia actually steals, we left one parked on this ordinary road in West London. We wanted to see if its sharp crystalline shapes, bold lines and lower, wider profile would attract the desired level of attention. Will the 17-inch black alloy wheels stop passers-by in their tracks? Will the angular headlights attract the attention of other road users? Will a crowd gather to check out its fresh, sporty look? Well, not quite. But did the attention-stealing design distract you from noticing that the entire street has been changing right before your very eyes? Don't believe us? Have another look. Did you spot the van changing to a taxi? How about the scooter changing to a pair of bicycles? Or the lady holding a pig? let alone the fact that the entire street is now completely different. Didn't think so. Honesty time. Who noticed? Who didn't notice? Did anyone notice the monkey at the top of the, the building? <laughs> he didn't even mention that. I think that's the best part. Anyway, that was just a bit of overall. I hope you enjoy that. We're looking at uh, the next um, part of our series, which is hashtag do you know him? And it's an exciting thing that we're going to be doing uh, this year and then hopefully next year along with other churches as well. Champions Church are doing it at the moment with us. And we're hoping we're going to do this, all the churches in Skipton next year um, with this and as kind of a mission as well. And we've been looking at different aspects of knowing who Jesus is, not just knowing about him. And today we're looking at Jesus, the friend. We sung um, this hymn at the 915 service. What a friend we have in Jesus. It's a, it's a fantastic hymn, isn't it? What a friend we have in Jesus. All our griefs and pains to bear. It's fantastic. The idea that Jesus is our friend is, is, a, is a, a brilliant one. And it's one that we maybe are very familiar with, especially with children, explaining to them what it means to have a relationship with Jesus, to be his friend. It's a wonderful phrase. It depicts a tremendous reality. And in John 15, it talks about Jesus saying, you are no longer servants or slaves. Doulos, you're no longer slaves. You are friends. And it reflects that reality of closeness and relationship. But is there a danger of it being too familiar? Jesus is my very special best friend. <laughs> a few years ago, I was given this... Um, plastic doll. It's called the Buddy Christ. And I was really uncomfortable. It's from the movie Dogma, which is a fairly irreverent movie at the best of times anyway. But I was given that as a gift, and I found it really difficult. I had to give it back to the friend who gave it to me um, and explain why. I found it really uncomfortable losing something of who Jesus was in this statue. It was just from, that was my take on it. Because I think when we just treat Jesus as our busy mate, we lose something. If we forget that he is Lord, King, and God, the wonder of God, the King, being our friend, is lost to him just becoming our pal. So whilst we have that closeness of a best friend, that best friend is also God, the King. Remember, Jesus' closest friends on earth, even after he said, you are my friends, they still called him Lord. 
It's a thing for us to be careful about. He is our friend. He is also our Lord. But a phrase that we know really well, Jesus is a friend of sinners. Yeah, it's a brilliant phrase. Jesus, friend of sinners. Maybe he was a bit of a, Mary was a bit worried about bad influences. <laughs> Do you know that kind of parental thing about, um, I'm not liking the company you're keeping recently? Well, imagine Mary looking at Jesus going, I'm not entirely keen on the company you're keeping of late. So who are you looking, who are you hanging around with? Who are your friends? Well, prostitutes, Gentiles, Romans, terrorists, collaborators, women, foreigners, the ill, the socially excluded, the unscrupulous business people, and worst of all, religious folk. These were Jesus' friends. Jesus, a number of times, remember, was accused of being a drunkard and a glutton. He was accused of having a dodgy reputation because of the people he hung around with. They were the people who were on the edges. They were the people who were on the periphery of the entire society, the, the ones on the shelf, the forgotten ones. And whilst one set of people were wondering whether they were a bad influence on Jesus, they forgot that he was a good influencer to those circumstances. There's a question which sometimes gets asked, which is, where would Jesus be on a Sunday morning? Now, there's a couple of different answers, two extremes. One is a kind of traditional conservative, not political conservative, but a little small c, um, approach, which is, of course, Jesus would be at the local parish church in a suit and tie, singing from hymns ancient to prehistoric. <laughs> of course he would be. And then there's kind of more progressive, jean-wearing, liberal side of the thing. So it's like, no, he wouldn't. He would avoid the religious stuff. He always did. He would be down in the local, he'd be down in the local supermarket. He'd be down at the drug den. He'll be down hanging out with all the ruffians because he's like that. The truth is, of course, Jesus would probably be amongst fellow believers worshiping God because he worshiped God. It was important to him. He was at the temple. He went to synagogue. It was important. But my goodness, that's only half the truth because he would have been elsewhere as well. These are Jesus' friends even now. Jesus loves porn stars, addicts, strippers, the homeless, prostitutes, drug dealers, sinners, outcasts, pimps, murderers, and child molesters. These are the people Jesus still loves. But maybe we're not so sure about the people he's hanging around with. Where would Jesus be on a Sunday morning? Would he be in church? Yes, I believe he would. But he also would be at the nightclub and the coffee morning. He would be at the drug den and the church fit. He would be at the red light district, but he'd be at the Bible study group. He would be in the prison, but he'd be at the cocktail party as well. We can't pin Jesus down. Trust me, the Romans and death tried to, and they failed. You can't pin Jesus down. He's not the ultra-religious, and he's not the ultra-radical. He is both. He loves God and loves the outcast. Jesus' friends were a really mixed bunch. They were rich, and they were poor. He had rich sponsors who looked after his ministry, and most of his followers were poor and impoverished. They were professors, and they were paupers. They were male, and they were female. They were young, and they were old. They were prostitute and priest. They were rebel, and they were traitor. That's Jesus' friendship group. It's a bit of a mixed bunch, isn't it? In preparation of doing a hashtag, do you know him, looking at Jesus, and part of my Lent things, as I said before, I was reading through the Gospels again, trying to see by this knowing Jesus, and there's something which struck me 
that I found it hard to shake. And amongst Jesus' friends, which we'll move on because I forgot to take these out of the picture PowerPoint. <laughs> Jesus noticed. He noticed. The number of times in the Gospels it says Jesus saw and then he did something. As he was going along, he saw and did something. The Greek word is aidon, which is not just about visually seeing, but about comprehending, about getting, about seeing the bigger picture of it. He saw, best ways to say Jesus noticed. Who did he notice? Well, in Mark 10, he noticed a blind man. In Matthew 19, he noticed a rich man who wanted answers. He noticed a bleeding woman in Matthew 9. He noticed the children in Mark 10. He noticed a widow and a dead son in Luke chapter 7, and a widow who was giving her last few coins in Luke 21. He noticed a crippled uh, man at Bethsaida, Bethesda pool. He noticed Zacchaeus up a tree, and he noticed a bunch of lepers who were outcast. Those are just examples of the people that Jesus saw and did something about, who he noticed. So let's look for a moment at this, the people that Jesus noticed, and see if they are familiar. Those who are desperate to be noticed. Now, has anyone seen the movie Shrek? Is that a yes? There's a character in Shrek called Donkey. And when Shrek, who's a big green ogre, wants to go on a mission, he calls all the fairy tale creatures together, and he says, I'm going on the mission! because he was Billy Connolly's little brother. Um, I'm going on a mission. Who's, and he wants anyone to come along apart from Donkey. And at the back of the, the pile, there's this springing donkey going, pick me, pick me, pick me. Desperate to be noticed. And he tries his best to ignore him, but because no one else is, he has to have, eventually have Donkey. People who are desperate to be noticed, not just for attention-seeking reasons, but desperate. We have the story of a man called Bartimaeus. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. He's going through Jericho. And a blind man is on the edge begging for money. It's the only way he can get some kind of charity. And he says, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus' disciples say, shut up. The master's coming by. You annoy him. But Jesus noticed. I love the disciples' fickleness. No, keep quiet. Oh, you want him? Come on. In about a second and a half, they change from go away to come here. Because Jesus noticed a blind man who was desperate for his attention. Then there's people who don't want to be noticed or feel that they don't deserve to be noticed. So Jesus was on the way to heal quite a significant person in the community, his daughter. There would have been a bit of kudos about that, a bit of positivity. And on the way, crowds are rushing alongside him. The strange thing Jesus stops them all and says, who touched me? And you love it because the disciples kind of go, Jesus, you kind of know everything. There's loads of people touching you. What are you on about? Someone touched me. And in Matthew's version, it says Jesus turned around and he saw the woman who touched his prayer shawl, a woman who was bleeding for 12 years, hemorrhaging badly, a woman who had a problem which isolated her from her community, from her God. She couldn't go to worship. She couldn't go to the marketplace. She was isolated. She also spent all her money on things to try and get better and had failed. And out of desperation, she went into the crowd and in doing so was making everybody she touched unclean and then touched the prayer shawl of the master, of the rabbi, which would have been absolutely abhorrent. So she was doing it secretly because she didn't want to be noticed. 
But Jesus noticed her. Jesus knew she needed noticing and noticing publicly. And that, I think, was equally as healing as the bleeding stopping. Jesus noticed her. And there were those who didn't realize that they were being noticed. I love the fact Jesus is in Jerusalem. He's at the temple. And it's kind of giving day. And there are two people. And it says that Jesus was watching and just looking. And he saw a rich Pharisee come and take his coins. And, and how you did your offering, maybe we should start this, was a huge bronze kind of um, horn that you would put your coins in and they would make the most rattling of noises. So you put in all your two Ps. It would have been really impressive. Maybe we should. What do you think? Let's take it to the deacons. Okay. So this guy's going, look at me. He's doing the donkey. Pick me. And then this widow comes and Jesus watches. She's totally unaware she's being noticed. And she takes her two small coins. She puts them quietly, hardly making a noise, into this big, vast bronze vat, which makes no noise with two coins. But Jesus noticed. Then there's those who are just not noticed. They're just not noticed by other people. Or worse, they're ignored, which is the opposite of being not noticed. Sorry, the opposite of noticing. And so we think of the pool of Bethesda. In, um, and Jesus is walking along. And he notices. This, this, is like, this is like a local hospital. So people used to go there and hang out there if you were ill, crippled, whatever. Because when the, the water is stirred, you would get in as quickly as possible to receive healing. It was the place to go. But this man who'd been crippled for 38 years had been there day in, day out. And when the waters are stirred, he can't get to the water to be healed. And people probably clambered over him. He's got no one to help him. He's ignored. Jesus noticed. Out of the crowd of worthy people who needed help, Jesus noticed the one who was being ignored. Then there's those who don't expect to be noticed. And you've got to talk about Zach, <laughs> our little friend Zacchaeus, who, being a tax collector, wasn't very popular amongst his, his um, compatriots. He was seen as a, a collaborator. He was a cheat. He took more than he should. He was living a lavish, luxury lifestyle. He liked the Romans. They were good for business. And he was really squeezing it out of his local um, fellow Jews. He was not, um, not well, well liked. And he wanted to know who this Jesus is. And he tries to go and see who this Jesus is. And all the Jesus fans are standing there blocking his view. Here is a salient warning to us as Jesus' people. How often are we standing in the way of people who are desperate to see Jesus? Because we think we should see him first. That's a freebie. You can have that on the side. Okay? So he climbs a tree, a sycamore tree, to look out for this character, Jesus. And he just wants to see him. What he doesn't expect is this rabbi to stop, to look up, and to know his name. And say, Zacchaeus, as the song goes, I'm coming to your house for tea, which is a miracle, because they didn't have tea in those days. <laughs> I'm coming to your house. I'm coming to affirm you as still a member of this people of God, and I know your name. He didn't expect to be noticed, but Jesus did. Then there are those who have a real need 
to, that, that is noticed, not the obvious one. So the rich man comes to Jesus and he said, Jesus, tell me what I need to do to get eternal life. And Jesus said, easily, follow the commandments. And he goes, which ones? He said, well, these ones, these ones, these ones. God's done them all. He's good. And he said, okay, one more thing, Jesus says. Just sell everything you've got, give to the poor, and come follow me. And Jesus has hit the nail on the head for the one spiritual hurdle this guy cannot get over. This guy was doing a donkey. Pick me. I'm great. I've followed the commands. And Jesus says, no, you haven't. So you've come to me with one knee, but I've told you what your real need is. I have noticed what's really going on. Not what you want to be noticed, but what is being noticed. He pointed it out to him. And the man went away sad. And then one of the most beautiful stories, people who just needed to be noticed. Jesus is walking with his followers. I mean, so many times it says, as Jesus was, just keep an eye out. Next time you're reading the Gospels, a number of times, as Jesus was, was doing something. As Jesus was walking to the village of Nain, he saw a funeral procession coming by. And on it was uh, the dead body of a young man. And beside it was his mother who was weeping and crying. She was a widow. She had no husband. This is her only son. So therefore, after this funeral was over, she was destitute. She had no way of getting any money in apart from the kindness of other people. So it says, it's so beautiful. Jesus saw her and his heart went out to her. It's not just the most beautiful phrase. Jesus saw her and his heart went out to her. He noticed her. Not just that she was crying, but he noticed the whole picture. He noticed her need, and he managed to address it. Now, that's one of the big things Jesus noticed. I don't know why those particular people that are mentioned in the Gospels stood out amongst all the other crowds. We also know in other places it says that Jesus noticed crowds. It said in Matthew 9, 36, Jesus, Jesus noti- noticing the crowds, he saw the crowds, he had compassion. He suffered with them, compassion. Because they were sheep without a shepherd. I've seen people try to herd sheep who can't do it. It's very funny because the sheep, I was going to say have minds of their own. I'm not entirely sure. They just go wandering off. Oh, look, bright light. Uh, It's really hard. They don't have a shepherd. And his heart was breaking over them. They were lost. They were going in different directions. And it says as Jesus was approaching Jerusalem, coming up to the time that he knew he was going to be sacrificing his life, he looks at Jerusalem, and as you come to Jerusalem, you can see a big vista of the city. And Jesus looked at it, and it says he wept over the city of God's city. He wept over it, and I think he still does. Wept over Jerusalem because they just didn't get it. Jesus noticed, but he didn't just notice then. The thing is, Jesus notices. I think I suspect, in fact, I think I know that many of us may fall into some of those similar categories that I just mentioned. We desperately want to be noticed by Jesus, but desperately don't want to be noticed. We don't think that we're worthy to be noticed, or it doesn't happen anyway, so why even hope for it? One, one time I was, um, I was uh, at a youth camp. I had been before. I was, I was at a worship event. I had received my calling from God, and the speaker at the time was Steve Chalk. So I went forward, and I, I said, yes, God, I'll follow you, and uh, it was very moving. A couple of years later, I was at a summer camp, and I was on the team, and uh, Steve Chalk was speaking at it. So I went and spoke to him. I said, Steve, thanks so much for what you said a few years ago. I told him the story. He prayed with me. It was nice. 
So the last day of the camp comes, and we are lining up for the team photograph, like school photographs. You know? And we were on the back row because I was tall then. Um, and then there was the middle row sat down, and then the front row, and in the very center, there was the main leader, and then beside him was Steve Chalk. And as we were, we were posing for the camera, a bit of banter, a bit of laughing and everything like that, um, Steve Chalk stops, says, hold on a second, stops the photograph, and he says, turns around, and he goes, Phil, uh, can I have a word with you afterwards? I want to have a, ask you something. And I went, yes, of course you can, Stephen. <laughs> I, I just felt brilliant. And it's because he was rushing off and he wanted me to pray with someone and he endorsed me in my ministry, even then as a kind of 16, 17-year-old. It was, it was really great. But I felt so affirmed whenever Steve Chalk said, Phil, yes! It was great to be noticed. Last weekend, however, Lisa's laughing already. I went to the Baptist Assembly. I went with a really famous person. Her name's Lisa Holmes. Maybe you've heard of her. And we were walking back to the, uh, the, the pavilion where we were meeting. And uh, I'll not say who it was. A very high up Baptist lady was coming back from the thing. And, and was coming up. And she saw the Reverend Lisa Holmes. And of course, Lisa! <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, and they embraced. You know how the Christian thing do. Okay. And then Lisa, because she, she's generous that way, said, oh, can I say, this is my colleague, Phil. And this is what happened. All right, this, Lisa, come here. Come on, come on. This is what happened. Imagine Lisa's me, and I'm the other person. I'm not going to tell you her name is. She said, this is my colleague, Phil. She went, yeah, I know that's... <laughs> Sit down. <laughs> we had a right giggle afterwards about it. But even for that fraction, as funny as it was, she was busy. She was just finished. It was, it was funny, especially because we take the mick out of Lisa for being, like, famous. Um, <laughs> And, and we're lucky to go on her coattails. And it was a bit like, oh, yes, hello. The opposite of being noticed is being ignored. And I think there's many of us who feel ignored for different reasons. We're married or we're not married. We're divorced or we're widowed. We have children or we don't have children. We've got a good job or we haven't got a good job. We can speak with a posh voice or we speak vernacular. We don't look the right part. We don't wear the right labels. We're not the shiny, popular ones, and therefore we are ignored. Jesus doesn't ignore. You are one person out of 7 billion on one planet out of 8 planets in one solar system out of 100 billion star systems in one galaxy out of 100 billion galaxies. The truth is you are enormously insignificant. <coughs> That's encouraging, isn't it? <laughs> out of 100 billion galaxies, 100 billion star systems, out of 7 billion people, you have your own unique genetic makeup. Your thumbprint is yours alone. You can create art, write a song, and be depended upon by others that love you. You are enormously significant. And Jesus notices you. Jesus notices you. We can easily say Jesus notices everyone. We say it too quickly. Jesus notices everyone. I have a favorite artist called Martin Joseph. He's a singer-songwriter. He's written loads of brilliant songs, quite prophetic edge to it. And there's one song I really love. I could not find it for love nor money on anywhere on any kind of internet thing. I used to have a cassette of it. I know it does exist out there in the ether, but I couldn't find it. But it's a song called, I See You. I see you. And the chorus says this, I see you. Nothing escapes my attention. I see you. You who cry out deep in the night, 
I see you. Nothing escapes my attention. It reflects Psalm 139. No matter where I go, the heights of the depths, the furthest shores, you are there, your eyes can see me. Even if I think the darkness can hide me, even there you can see me. Jesus notices. He notices you, he notices me. The sadness is, the sadness is that we often play catch-up to that. While Jesus notices we're just catching up with other people. As I've, noted, as I've said before, one of the things I've found, one of my discoveries in hashtag do you know him, is Jesus the noticer. And I want to be a Jesus-style noticer. I don't know about you. And I'm going to say this, and I sincerely mean it. I've cleared it with Lisa, so it's okay. Um, I'm sorry. And I'm, this is not just a rhetoric, a rhetoric thing or oratory. I am sincerely sorry for when I've not noticed you. Because I know there are times when I have not noticed you. And I'm really sorry because I want to be a better noticer. I know it's not just about me. This is not self-flagellation. It's not just about Lisa or the team or even small groups. We're meant to be doing this together. But for me to you, I'm sorry that I've not noticed you at times. I want to be a better noticer. Because we're up to, we want to do discipleship. And discipleship is becoming like the master. And if Jesus is the master noticer, then I want to be a better noticer. Because that's what he is. So, to finish off, we're going to use the green cross code to help us. Stop. Why don't we notice? Well, I think we don't notice because we're too busy. Our agendas are far too important. The list of people we need to see on a Sunday morning is extensive and very, very important. And... Uh, we're too rushed, aren't we? We're running from one thing to another without stopping. We're too distracted. We're too disinterested in other people's problems. Maybe we're too self-interested, and we only want to be interested in the people for who will be benefit to us. There's a horrible story about a church, a very successful, very large church, where the pastor, the senior leader, only will, will end up meeting you only after the church knows what your bank account's like. What job you're in. Horrifying. Too self-interested. Jesus was on his way to die in Jerusalem, but he noticed a blind man saying, please help me. He told a story about a man who was beaten up, battered and bruised, and a very pious person comes along who knows the scriptures and knows what, that God loves the outcast, sees him and goes, I don't want any of that, and walks away. Another one who knows the scriptures sees him and goes, that's not for me, and goes off. And then someone who should have, shouldn't have known about the scriptures goes over and helps him out. You know it's the Good Samaritan. He noticed and he did something about it. Slow down. I was on retreat a few years ago in Northumbria and they sent us out to um, find God in God's garden. It was lovely. And they sent us to the beach and I was walking on the beach and I found a nice rock pool and I sat by a rock pool because I thought that would be the kind of thing to do. I sat there and looked at a rock pool and went, it's a rock pool. That's that done. And, but something made me stop and just st stay. So I stopped and I looked. Ah, it was just a pool of water. And then I noticed there was a hermit crab there. And then there was a couple of fish. And there was a couple of things crawling along there. I don't know what they are. I didn't do biology. <laughs> I could have easily walked away and said, that rock pool's dead. But I stopped. I looked. Looking. 
You see why we had that video at the start? We look, but we don't see. Okay, how many people noticed the changes of things going on? How many didn't notice? Let me ask you another question. How many people noticed that I've changed my shirt three times today? <laughs> anyone? Apart from Lisa, who knew I was going to be doing it. Did anyone notice it? I've had three different shirts on today in this service. <laughs> Thanks for noticing. <laughs> no. The big latest thing at the moment is mindfulness, isn't it? It's really popular. It's actually really good, but it's been marketed, so it kind of has a bit of an edge now. But mindfulness is about placing yourself in the moment, being alert, being attentive. Do you know this phrase, we need to pay attention? Have you ever realized that the word pay means that there's going to be a cost? It's going to cost you your time. It's going to cost you your effort, your involvement. Pay attention. It's costly. So many of us don't pay attention and the people we encounter every day in church, in our workspaces, they form a sort of living wallpaper to the story of our lives too often. So unless something stands out, stands out from the crowd, we don't notice. But it's not just the shiny, the, the, the big, the bold, and the obvious that we need to look out for. I, I did first aid training a little while ago, and I was told this. He said, if there's a multiple casualty incident... And there's lots of screaming people around. Go to the ones who are silent. Because the ones who are screaming are still alive. The ones who are silent, you don't know. Because they're screaming silently. How many of us are screaming silently, desperate to be noticed? And we're called to listen. With our ears, with our eyes, with our head, with our heart. Specialists say that communication is not just verbal, but it's all these different nonverbal things like body language and context and everything like that. How good listeners are we? Notice when Jesus noticed someone, often he would say, what do you want me to do? Even to a person who was crippled or a person who was blind, for whom it was obvious what needed. He said, what do you want? And he listened. A good friend of this church is, maybe some of you know him, a guy called Mark Willoughby. He did his gap year with us a few years ago. Good friend of many of us. He had this gift that if he was talking with you, you felt you were the only person in the room. He had such a God-given gift. Matt Kearns is another one. who You just felt you were the only person. How often are we having a conversation with someone and they've already moved on to the next person or their list of things to do? Or how often do we do that? How often do we not listen? But one more aspect of listening. Jesus was surrounded by crowds, busy crowds, lots of worthy people with worthy causes, and going beyond good people skills, even body language, understanding, even Jesus looking out. There were many worthy cases, but he listened to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. What I like to call the Holy Spirit's elbow. Oi, Phil, have you noticed? Have you noticed? Have you noticed? We can't address every need that crosses our path, but we can be attentive to the nudges of the Holy Spirit even when it's not obvious. Have you noticed? <laughs> Have you noticed the person in church who's no longer chatty as they once were, who's always frantically busy and running around and doesn't seem to stop? The person who's crying in the corner. The person who's absent, whether it's just today or the past few weeks, or they're so infrequent, it's hard to have a relationship with them. Do you notice the person who's tired and burnt out? The person 
who serves without thanks? Do you notice the person who works behind closed doors, behind the scenes that no one notices? Have you noticed the person that you know has got an unhealthy, unchallenged lifestyle choice? Have you noticed those who are just not themselves lately, those whose laugh you've not heard in a long time or whose smile you've not seen? Have you noticed the one who always seems to have it sorted, at least on the outside? Have you noticed those who seem to notice others and forget about the fact that they need to be noticed too? Have you noticed those who are taken for granted and those who don't want thanks, they just want a hello? Have you noticed? Because let me tell you, Jesus has. Jesus said, I no longer call you servants. I call you my friends. He said, friends, do what I ask. They do what I command, not by compulsion, but by choice. What does he ask? I ask you to love one another as I have loved you. Forgive me, I'm going to doctor scripture. I ask you to notice one another as I notice you. Amen.